We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, back in the building. One show is too long without the old man. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the solo show that I did. Shout out to my pops from coming through, holding it down in the hip-hop discussion. But it's nice to have the duo back here. I really didn't capitalize on you not being here, Dre. I didn't say enough wild shit. I feel like that's my real good time to give out the hot takes. So people are hitting you up on Twitter like, yo, do you know what Kel just said? But there was none of those moments. I was too tame. You know what they call that? Growth. Because <laughs> normally when you do a show, I get a bunch of messages. And it's not like, what's with Kel? It's like, what's wrong with your boy? That's what I get. <laughs> do you know what Kel said when you wasn't there? I can only imagine. <laughs> so if yeah. there was none of that, I guess we're okay. Nah, we're good. We're good. It was a nice and easy conversation. It was smooth. I will, I will ask this. Because you weren't around for me to ask. So I'd throw a curveball at you before we get into today's show. Who has the best back-to-back albums in hip-hop? The best back-to-back, back-to-back albums. In hip-hop. Yeah. So we settled on, and oddly enough, like, my dad didn't go with what I thought he would go with. But whittling it down, just our thinking process on the show, Biggie's... Ready to die in life after death. That's one. Yeah. Tribe. Yes. And then EPMD. Hmm. Strictly business, back to business. Um, I could see EPMD. Yeah, but see, I was gonna go with uh AT Aliens in uh in Equemini. See, if it was Southern Playlistic and Equemini, I would have gave it to him. AT Aliens in the middle, not that it's bad at all. It's a but classic. I think, I think one and three are the best Outcast albums. Uh, I mean, I could go Equemini Stangonia if nah. you want to throw in hits and what it did for them in pop culture and shit. Yeah, AT Aliens was better than Stangonia, in my opinion. But I could, Outcast, I could see the only other person, the only other artist that I could see, well, actually two um, Kendrick. With uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and To Pimp a Butterfly. And Lupe with Food and Liquor in the Cool. That's true. I didn't even think of Lupe. That's true. That's hard to touch. To me, Kanye, like, I wasn't a late registration fan. I really enjoy late registration. Late registration. But it's not necessarily on the level of low-end theory and Midnight Marauders. Like, those two albums back-to-back and what they did for, like, jazz samples and hip-hop and the sound that was achieved on Midnight Marauders... That that's incredible. Then Biggie with Life After Death and you know Ready yeah. to Die. It's just that's so just it, pristine work. The convo started because on Twitter, um, shout out to my guys at Views at the Seven. Who my dude Spence has the worst hip hop takes in the history of hip hop. So yeah, the the worst. So it started a conversation between me and him because he said Biggie's Life After Death this too is whack. So mm-hmm. that album doesn't count. Um, he discredits the entire album. This too is incredible, by the way. But he yeah. discredited the whole album. Said Eminem has the two, the best back to back albums no. ever in hip hop with Marshall Mathers and Eminem show. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Only followed by Jay Z. No, excuse me. Only followed by DMX. No. 
And he gave one other one that I just also dismissed. It was no, ridiculous. No, no. was Eminem, DMX, the best one-two punch? That's... Oh, and Nas. And he put Nas, no. Illmatic, and it was written. Those were his top three back-to-backs. And I was look, like, no. The, if you want to say Illmatic and it was written, all right. Like, I disagree with you, but okay. But I, as much as I enjoy the Marshall Mathers LP and the Slim Shady LP, it's not, again, not on the level of low-end theory and Midnight Marauders. Not on the level of Food and Liquor and the Cool. Like, Food and Liquor and the Cool are incredible. And another one I'll put in there, The Listening and the Minstrel Show, Little Brother. Oh, okay. That's that's another one I'll put in there. Um, but, with, like, if the the greatest one-two punch, that's, that's, it might be Tribe, man. It really might be Tribe. Yeah, and then, then obviously. There's America's most most wanted and death certificate as well with uh, with Cube. There's 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 a lot of quality shit, but yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Tribe. Even though Outcast yeah. for me, Outcast is really close. But what Tribe did, man, especially for me as a kid, like listening to those two albums because Low in Theory is just incredible. And then you go and listen to Midnight Marauders, and I just remember the first time I heard a War Tour, and I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> like they but came there back was with a one two punch and out. That was what's so great. It was one, two, we're gone. Well, Beach Rhymes of Life was after that, you know. Oh, yeah. No, you don't count that in the pantheon of Tribe Called Quest. You know what's funny, though? Go back and listen to Beach Rhymes of Life. It's not as bad as we thought it was when it first okay. came out. Go back and listen to it. It had a lot of consequence, and people were not big fans of consequence at the time. But yeah. there was a, like, it once again is, is dope. Get a hold is dope. Um, keep it moving is dope. Uh, stressed out everybody liked uh, but it wasn't a bad album it just when you went when you go back to back with those two is it to me I don't want to say it was there it was written because it was written I would say is better is better than Beach Round is life but it was their album that was just like you had high expectations for and then you heard it and was like there's really a lot of consequence on here yeah. like and that kind of yeah that's where a lot of people were just like mm, oh, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think so that's where my pops kind of took the legs out of EPMD. He was like, back to business was dope, but it was all, a lot of Red Man. And it makes, and it was like the debut of Red, and it makes them look very average compared to Red Man. Oh, yeah. When, yo, when, when Reggie <laughs> so, Noble came on the scene with oh, like the headbanger, God. oh my God. I was uh, like, what the fuck is it? First, first yeah. of all, I was like, because a lot, like, okay, there was Big Daddy Kane, there's Rock Him, there's certain MCs that changed the game, the other rapper that came after them. Redman was one of those guys that came in and you were like, yo, who is this guy that's rapping the, like wild, ignorant shit in the early 90s? It just like just smokes a lot of weed and just rambunctious as shit. But he's incredible. And next to Parrish and Eric, he was bodying them constantly. I was like, yo, that's a good call. <laughs> like the fact they just got bodied on their own album. Yeah, they got worked. Like, they got worked on. And, and I mean, what can you do? Because that's your artist. You, you know, Eric Simmons really trying to spotlight Redman, which makes a ton of sense. But, yeah. man, woo, you know how it's like, like, you know, I got my, you know, like, if I'm dating a, a girl and I bring, like, Boris Kojo or Idris Elba with me and she's, like, <laughs> looking at me like, word, like, <laughs> this yeah. is what you're going to take on our second date? And then, yeah, then I won't be surprised if she runs off with one of them because I did it to myself. And that's what Redman was. You don't bring that motherfucker around on your second date. 
Nah, you realize that you're the ugly friend. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's when you play keep away until you're married, and then it's like now you're stuck with me. But on your second date, nah, you don't do that because she still isn't out. Yeah, that was EPMD. Yep. So that crushed that argument. But it was again, if you guys haven't listened to the solo show, it was really cool. We did that. We talked about DJs. Um, I, I'll do you proud. I mentioned Ninth Wonder and Little Brother on the show. So again, I was too sensible. When you're not here, like. I think I'm getting too old. I'm about to turn 33, and I'm, like, slowly getting older. And I know that because I'm not giving the wild hot takes when you're not here. Again. It's unfortunate. It's growth, man. You should, you should be happy with this, <laughs> unfortunate. man. Unfortunate. And you'll find the time machine, the hot take time machine. No, thanks. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Don't do that. <laughs> the world wants that. No. Um, <laughs> to start off this show, though, first thing I want to do is say, Congrats, you hit the goal on Our Heroes Rock. We talked about it when you first launched it. Of course, you never hype anything up. You're like, oh, I hope it does well. Um, I hope people support. Took a week for you guys to hit the goal. Now you're on your second goal, pushing past it. Congrats, how are you feeling? Um, Man, it's kind of, it's crazy, man, because... I've kind of talked about the origins of it. Those of you who've seen the Kickstarter video, um, if you watch the 24, Biggie has like a brief segment where him and Johnny are talking about it. Um, it's dope to see that, you know, people, it's getting a lot of traction. And, I, you know, since it's a podcast, I can give a little bit of inside scoop. So, obviously, uh, when we launched this thing, like, we've been working on this for months. And we worked on the Kickstarter. We worked on the rewards here. It's like, we talk, me... E and Johnny literally text from sunup to sundown. And I bullshit you not when I say that. Like, we, E will be at SmackDown and we're texting. I'll be covering a fight and we're texting. Johnny will be designing Apollo's ring gear and we're texting. Like, Johnny is designing everybody's ring gear for WrestleMania. And fun fact, and this I'm just putting this out there, this is Johnny's business and I don't care because I just found this shit out myself. So Johnny was a longtime, you know, ring gear guy for New Day. The Gears of War stuff, the Final Fantasy, all that is Johnny. The Brody stuff, that's all Johnny Davenport, who's incredible. I've tried to figure out, I was like, wait a second, how did you guys meet? Now, Johnny and E are both in Tampa, right? And, you know, Johnny is now dedicated mostly to Big E. I mean, he still does New Day stuff, but him and E are just really close. And by de facto, like, we're all really close now. So I was sitting there and I was like, well, how the fuck did you start designing the ring ring gear? And we were talking about the happenstance way that we've all connected. Um, Just, you know, me and he talked about like connect like three years ago and like fights and me getting him to do the Sean Porter thing. So I was trying to figure out Johnny's situation. Do you know, and y'all going to hear this on another video sooner or later. Johnny was answering a Craigslist ad from Xavier Woods to design ring gear. That's how this shit all started. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shout out to the back pages. Yo, a Craigslist ad. Woods had put out a Craigslist ad early in the new day because they really didn't think they were going anywhere. Johnny had just left his gig doing cartoons for somebody. I can't remember. And he saw the ad and was just like, fuck it, why not? And that's how he started designing ring gear. Now he's doing everybody's shit. Everybody's shit. So back to this whole this our heroes rock thing so we're the three of us are all (laughs) fun fact we're all very same that we don't get excited for our own shit all three of us so it's very miserable sometimes when we're texting each other and we're all like this shit's never gonna work 
Like me, <laughs> E, Johnny, we're all the same. Like we just, we're all the same. So when we launched this, we were all pleasantly surprised the day one that we, I think we did $25,000 on day one. And we were like, wow, this is incredible. And on Kickstarter, you could download the app and it alerts you every time somebody donates or it supports. So we'll get an alert. It's, it's like a high. It's like a drug, right? So it's like all these things are coming in, you know, $500 here, $250 there, you know, $20 here, $10 here. And it's like a drug. It's like a slot machine is going off. And we're all like giddy, right? And then the shit just stops because after the first couple of days, there's not as much excitement behind it anymore. So all three of us were sitting there like we had this doomsday call last week where we were like, oh, boy, I don't think we're going to hit our goal. And we're all we started stressing. We we're like, maybe people don't want black history. And then all of a sudden we got seventy five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars. And then two ten thousand dollars supporters came through like in two days time. It was and we were like, oh, I guess we're OK now because <laughs> we were like, dog, we were really sweating this shit. So now. If you guys have noticed, he is doing interviews everywhere. Uh, the Root, he just did today, which is Thursday. He did, uh, we're doing WrestleZone next week. It'll be the first time that all three of us do an interview because we've all been running around. I'm doing Sports Illustrated. Johnny did like two or three podcasts. It's exciting, man. Um, and we've had some meetings too, and which these I can't talk about yet. But we've actually had meetings with networks. On some shit that hasn't even been made yet. So, pretty it's pretty cool to see this all coming together. Ultimately, though, because we know, like, people want to see this thing happen. It's like this whole diversity thing, and everybody's, like, excited. Oh, you know, you guys are making black cartoons and shit. And we're like, yeah. And, but we have to see the Kickstarter through. Like, we've had an offer already, like, to cancel the Kickstarter. Like, stop the Kickstarter and roll with us. <laughs> like no like one we can't do that that's not you can't do that like kickstarters at our back we got to see this through because we, we're trying to make a pilot but we've come to realize now like everybody's gonna try to take this shit from us like we've already seen it like we've had meetings and we're like oh for real yeah you know if we can buy in and have steak nope no <laughs> like no we did this shit three of us ground yeah. up we're good the, yeah so it's it's just been it's it's been good to see that all these networks are hitting us up and they're all you know they're interested in what we have to offer even though we haven't made a single cartoon yet like i haven't even written the full script yet because we're still waiting to finalize everything but all that to say is that if you have supported us trust me me e and johnny appreciate you um we still got a long way to go we got to get to one hundred fifty thousand because animation is really fucking expensive to get to uh so we don't have to rush to do it because production sound we got you know we got to pay people so please, man, spread the word. Uh, and it's like this is for me, E and Johnny. This is what we're looking at as our future, more than anything else, because it's something we want to leave to our kids. We're talking about book deals. We're talking about all this shit, but we have to get this shit off the ground. So keep supporting. We appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's it's great to see three talented black men start something. Just like yo, we got this idea. We're riding with this together. And seeing everyone come on board is just uh, it's great. It's amazing to see. It's amazing to see that we, as a community, can have that power. You three can bring this to fruition. And it's something so easy to support. Because, man, it's it, you said it's something to lead to your kids. It's something for the whole culture. You know, it's not a selfish thing you guys are doing. It's for no. all kids. And, yeah, and fun fact, for those of you who don't know, it's like, 
he's not making a dime from this right now unless we sell this like this entire like people wonder where the money's going like it's not it's going to a majority not even a majority a decent chunk is going to johnny because he's creating the characters and he's handling animation i'm getting a very small portion to do to write the script he is taking nothing because he's just the voice etor and if you know E, if you've ever met him, he's very just much like, you know, it's, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here. And it's like, whatever, dude. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have the platform. But this is this is not about the money. This is absolutely not about the money. This is about, if you guys know me, this is about something to educate our kids, things that we didn't have when we were kids. So, yeah, man, just know it's not, this shit ain't going in our pockets, man. Like, we're not using this for anything else but to make a dope-ass cartoon. Yeah, but we're all going to support this shit until it goes in your pockets. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everybody better cash out for this. Because that's the second part. It's like, yeah, it, it starts at humble beginnings. But at the end, somebody's going to make money off of this. It better be you three. And that's well, yeah, yeah. And, and shout out to everyone else who wants to get involved, the companies who want to buy it out and just take the idea and be like, oh, this is great. We should have thought of it. Here goes a penny for your troubles. No. Like, we will support it so it's for you guys, by you guys. And, uh, yeah, just don't, you know, remember the remember the little guy. Send me a nice bottle of wine or something. Just do nice things oh, along Christ. the way. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get into the wine. What can I say? You, you, <laughs> you tell me all the time, like, yo, you need to get into wine. Yes, I'm trying can. to upgrade from $7 bottles of wine Oof. at Lee's Liquor. Come yeah, on. I, don't, I don't know better. Like, I don't I bought one bottle of wine that was like $70 at dinner once. And I looked at it and I was like, eh, I could could have had like five vodka tonics for this. Come on. You're going to learn today. We're going we gonna <laughs> to teach you before we get You're going to learn about some good ass wine. Trust and believe. Listen, as soon as this Rona is done and not like fake done like Texas, but like real done, <laughs> we are hitting wine country. Um, this is actually a great transition because we've kind of gone into uppity mode right now in the pod and it had me thinking before we go into the rest of the show and the combat sports is dre I had this question specifically for you i'm sure everyone listening will have their own time it doesn't really necessarily matter what race you are like if you're a minority but for you specifically when was the last time someone said that you spoke white Oh, that shit ain't happened in years. Cause I think just people know better. Um, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it, it used fair. to be the, it used to be coded language that was like, "Man, you speak really well." And I was like, "Yo, what the fuck does that mean?" And it was like, and people would just get like, you know, no, no, you, you know, you. And I was like, as opposed to what, right? Like, as, if, yep. if I don't speak well, then what would I sound like? So, has happened in a long time, man. And if it did, we'd have a problem. So, you know, if anybody's <laughs> yeah, thinking you- about saying it, don't, don't. <laughs> You give off that air of like, yeah, I'm not taking this shit. No, no. So I hadn't heard in a while till like the other day. And it was said in passing and then immediately walked back. Hmm. So Somewhat. Immediately walked back. And it was because I phrased something and I said, uh, this person and I. And they were like, oh, I don't understand when you talk like that. I was like, talk like what? Proper English? Like, they're like, you, you got to speak all, you speak so well. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, like, okay. And then it was like, you don't got to speak white. And I was like, I'll speak white. Like, I, one, I speak how I speak. Like, unless you make me extremely mad and I lose all home training. 
I'm going to talk how I talk. Now, if I'm extremely mad and I'm going off the rails, like you are going to hear a kid who grew up in the Bronx and who's just wilding out. But that's like all filters, all walls are gone and you're going to hear some wild shit. Outside of that, like I speak how I speak all the time. Like I, I just know better. I'm well read. I, I've grown up. We, our group chat was just laughing a little while ago because I told him at like three years old I was watching Murphy Brown on TV and Cheers and shit. Like this is just what I grew up watching. And even, I mean, if people grew up watching Fresh Prince and all, like you could, like Will didn't even speak crazy. No, he didn't. Like you talk, you tell me about the Cosby's all the time. I never liked the Cosby's that much. We know this. But, like, they didn't talk wild, crazy shit. Like, so, Raised by TV is doing all this. Like, that's how I thought people talk. And that's how people should speak. So, when someone said that to me the other day, I was like, that's fucking wild. And then they kind of, like, walked it back. But it was someone who, I, I guess maybe is not, they're, like, fringe friends network of, like, high school friends. Mm. But they've been around enough. Like they, we don't rock on a day to day. But when we're all, we were all chatting because like Zoom is still going on and everyone's everywhere. So they said it, and like we're all there together. But I was like, if anything, everyone here at least knows me. They know how eclectic I am. So he'd be like, "Yo, you speak white?" Like, no. Like I speak how I speak, but I have a million different influences. Yeah, see, this is what I was about to say, but I didn't. Now I'm going to say it. The people who say that shit are usually your friends from back in the day. Mm. They're usually people that you went to high school with. They're usually people that if you've achieved more than they have, it's like a negative response. Not all of them. There's just a certain group of people. Like, I've had a situation where I've tried to help a friend in getting to a better position. And because the way that I carried myself in meetings or how, you know, in the business world, yeah, he's told me I was Hollywood and he couldn't fuck with me. Even though I was putting money in his pocket, he said I wasn't keeping it real. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, you just, <laughs> you're talking white. And I'm like, yo, I don't even know what you mean by that you're using big words and shit and that's the one that always kills me word big words <laughs> big words is white come on yeah. man word i tell people check my sat scores baby 760 on sat verbal what you know about that but uh, yeah, my math score is atrocious don't check that part but, but really like that's the real shit like proper sentence structure is is what caused them to say that because I didn't say me and blank. Mm. I was like, what? what? I was like, this is the dumbest shit. But that's like, and it ties into like this project with Big E and teaching like future generations of not just black kids, but brown kids, minorities of all cultures. Um, the Asian community is going through something horrible right now as well with the violence. Um, Got to mention that as well. So like everything there is just like, it's crazy how people try to put ethnic people in a box. And it's like, it, it makes no sense. It, I listen to Big E talk on all these interviews. 
and I'm sure not one person going to tell him he don't speak black or he sounds white because Big E's big as fuck. So Big E gets this. He gets it a lot more than people might realize. If you ever listen to Big E's interviews, this, this is just how he talks. Like when we're on Zoom, when we're on the phone, when we're FaceTime, he that's just how he talks. The character you see on TV is a preacher's son who just has a expanded vocabulary. And he gets it a lot. And if you ever watch interviews and people try to mimic Big E, they mimic him in his voice because it sounds foreign to them. It's just the way he talks. But unfortunately, in the black community, uh, we have had that stigma that if we use proper English and etiquette, that we're either white, Hollywood, or bougie. When you should, like, most of us talk better than a lot of white people. But it is what it is. And that's just kind of what you got to deal with when you're you know a minority in america and somewhat educated yeah it's wild but that goes to our latest list to round out this segment before we hit up combat sports what are a few bands and artists that you're a fan of and that you like listen to that people would never guess that you do like outside of hip-hop and r&b my my whole again if y'all listen to my playlist they're no, not even jazz, because you seem like a smooth jazz as like just a thing of whiskey with one giant circular ice cube in your cup type of dude. No, like completely out of the box. I see. I, I don't know what's completely out of my whole. Everything I listen to is completely out of the box. I like Massive Attack. I like Estero. I like Portishead. I like, and I mean those have become cool later. But yeah. once upon a time. They weren't cool. Like, listening to Portishead was not cool. Listening to uh, Guns N' Roses, I was always a big Guns N' Roses fan, was not cool. Listening to Aerosmith was not cool. Uh, listening to, I mean, man, that's just, like, my musical tastes are all over the place. I listen to a lot of house music. I listen to Black Coffee, whose album I fucking love that just dropped. Uh, Estero, uh, god damn. I mean, the list goes on and on. Hippie Sabotage is dope. I listen to more stuff outside of hip-hop. I cannot work listening to rap music because it infiltrates my <laughs> thoughts and it makes me want to write different shit. It's the worst. <laughs> That's so weird. I, mean, I get it. I, I know that you write with stuff in the background, like watching TV in the background on mute, which is yeah. odd because you'll be like paying attention to that while writing, which is uh, kind of weird. But I need like... I need theatrics in the background. I can't work in quiet situations. I need chaos for me to work properly. So there's times, like, when I met my wife, like, she jumped in the car. I was listening to Blink-182, and then um, I went on, like, a crazy, like, early 2000s punk binge. Like, our entire ride up to San Fran. So I was listening to, like, Annie Flag, who's, that's still my shit. I'm Smile Empty Soul, which a lot of people don't like. I don't give a fuck. I like them. Um, <laughs> like, I, I was listening to wild shit. Uh, I think, let's just be real. All black people love Paramore. Yes. Everybody loves Paramore. <laughs> everybody loves Paramore. Like, Paramore is every black person's joy. And black people nowadays really like Taylor Swift. Like, if you're keeping it a buck. Like, Dude. Taylor got some joints. So, like, um, it, it's... <laughs> I'll say that a lot of this is to blame on social media, right? This is this is a conversation that me, E, and Johnny just recently had when we were talking about education, how you learn things, and how things come up, and how you find out that you're not the only one that likes this shit. It's because of social media. Because when you were in high school or before social media was a thing, if you're old enough to remember that, 
when you were doing things, if you couldn't find anybody else to listen to the music you listened to, it was just you, right? It was just like it was you yep. in your room listening to music, and then your friends would come over and be like, man, turn that shit off. <laughs> I had a lot of that growing up. Like, I played chess, right? And my friends would come over and be like, and like try to play checkers with my chessboard. And I'm like, what the f***? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed fuck are you doing it would make me mad but you would you come to realize you feel like you're weird and you're the only one social media has made it so you're not weird anymore like listening to Haley williams and paramore was like a thing that i thought oh man that not a lot of people then i looked on social media it's like oh wait all these black people like paramore you don't have to you don't have to enjoy music and secrecy anymore no you're completely right like you can be open and out there with it. So I just wanted to know your list. Like, uh, we're not weird. This is what we do all the time. So what else we do is talk about combat sports. We're going to hit a quick break because this is going long for the first segment. When we come back, it's time to talk combat sports. We're going to jump into boxing and MMA. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Get back. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to The NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, just that quick, we are back, and it's time to talk boxing with the old man. It feels like it's been a while since we talked boxing and MMA, so it's nice to get back into it. Not too much is happening in the boxing world, but one thing that is being speculated right now is Javante Davis versus Mario Barrios. 140-pounder um, tank, fights at 130. That's where his belt is. Dabbles at 135, maybe. But 130 has always been his division. He's not tall. And now he's looking to move up 
two weight classes to fight someone who has a lower tier belt. It's not one of the major four. Those are both top ranked guys. But it gives Tank the claim of, yo, I got another division championship under my belt. Do you think he's biting off too much for him to chew? He might be. Um, dude, people, Mario Barrios is got like six inches on him. He's got power. He's got reach. He's got skill. And people say it's a secondary belt, which totally understandable. But Mario can fight. This is not no cakewalk for Tank Davis. I know a lot of people think he's cherry picking. This is a dangerous fight. And in a way, I'm just going to go ahead and commend Tank Davis for taking this fight. People, Mario Barros is undefeated. I think, if I remember correctly, he was on the undercard of Leo and Tank and obliterated somebody who he's supposed to obliterate. But Mario Barros is really fucking good. Yep. So I'm here for this fight. People have been talking shit about it, saying he's skipping over 35, whoop-de-whoop. No, man, he's, he's going after 40. Because you know who else is at 40? Gonna be at forty soon, Tio. Yep. So look, man, if you could, if you could jump over there, Ryan will be there soon. Don't worry. Devin Haney will be there as well. So one forty is gonna be very crowded. So I'm not mad at this at all. And people, go watch the Mario Barrios fights. The kid can fight. This is this. I'm not gonna say it's exactly like this, but this reminds me of Adrian Broner fighting Marcos Maidana. Oof. That's tough because I, I think Tank is skilled enough to win. I don't know if he can knock him out. Like, I don't – I think the power travels. Well, the reason why I say it is because when Broner fought Malinaji and then decided to fight Marcos Maidana, who Maidana had a hell of a time with Amir Khan, everybody thought Adrian Broner was going to wash Amir Khan – I mean, uh, Marcos Maidana. Everybody yeah. thought that. Then the fight happened, and then Broner got his ass kicked. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but don't take Mario Barrios lightly. I don't think Tank will, but I'm just saying. I don't know if that power is going to translate all the way up to 140 against a tall, long fighter. This ain't Leo Santa Cruz. This is a true 140-pounder. Tall as shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a guy physically who, when I look at him, he has even a little more reach. And the way he fights stylistically, he's a lot like Diofimo. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's a good barometer of like, yo, can I really handle that? Can I, can I figure out the traps for this type of guy? Can I get on the inside? Can I take the power at 140? Because Tank gets hit a lot. He does. Dude, Leo was touching him in that fight. Y'all yeah. watch fights and just remember knockouts. Watch the fucking fight. Gamboa. Gamboa was touching him. Tank doesn't have great defense. He doesn't. I think – I'm not going to say he's overrated, but I'm going to say that there are holes in this game that the right fighter is going to expose sooner than later. Just saying it. He ain't going to be undefeated forever. Listen, you're not in the minority. I feel if we're keeping it a buck, Ryan Garcia said this several times. Like, yeah. yo, I want to fight Tank because I see holes in his game. And I think he just wants to be the first to expose those. Easier said than done. Absolutely. Obviously, but... If you think, like, yo, this guy is going to get caught sooner or later. I want to be the one to catch him. Yeah. It's a good bet. It's a good fight. It's a, it's a, if they come through with that fight, it's a great fucking fight. It's his Don't, toughest test to date. Yeah. And, yeah, yo, so I, I've seen people on, like, Coppinger's timeline booing the fight. And I, you know, I text Cop, and I was like, they don't, they've never seen Mario Barra's fight, have they? The same thing <laughs> with Marcos Maidana. Even though, again, when I saw Marcos Maidana, I was like, 
eh, he got hurt with a body shot by Amir Khan. We know Amir Khan's got a glass jaw. I thought Adrian Bronin was better than Amir Khan at the time. I was totally fucking wrong. Yep. Um, <laughs> but the, you can bite off more than you can chew. You can take on the wrong fighter and think you have the skills to jump up two weight classes and get totally exposed. Biggest thing for Tank is he has to have the dedication, the conditioning, everything he had in this Leo Santa Cruz fight. If he does, he'll be fine. If not, yeah. let's. But it's not a given. He'd be like, "Yo, it's one forty. I can make this a lot easier. Well, I don't have tank? to do the same thing." Like, tanks what five six? Five six. Mario's what six one? I'll get his exact height right now. No, Mario's he's five ten. He's still female. Oh, okay, him and still female, exact same measurables. Mario. Ryan Garcia's six foot. Damn near. No, he's not. Five eleven. They put, eh. yeah. See, I've, I've been, I've interviewed and stood next to both of them. Mario is, I feel like Mario's definitely taller than Ryan Garcia. Ryan's five eleven. He don't look it. Mario's five ten. And Tio feels like he's shorter than both of them. Oh, I'm sure. He, either way, we've both been next to Tio's five eight, five eight, and, and some change. Yeah, see, but his he, body type, like he's filled out. Mario's filled out like that. I mean, Mario, Mario is a tall one forty pounder. Like Tank is. He's tiny. He got a little pterodactyl arm. So yeah. <laughs> tough. It's a tough fight, man. It's a tough fight. He's not fighting a bum. This is not a fun. I don't care if it's a secondary title. It's a tough fight. No, he's going to look like Tyson did in those old school heavyweight, like videos and everything, where he's swinging up. He has to get on the inside. Um, shit, we just saw that with Canelo, though. But Canelo's like five, nine and a half. Yeah. Five, ten. Callum Smith was a legit six, three. Yeah, I mean, but there's levels to this, right? And we're going to talk about Canelo in a minute. Tank is listed at 5'5". Five, five. When you're listed at 5'5"? Five, five, That's what I'm saying. You might That's be like, four, four and a quarter. That was like when they said Allen Iverson was 6'1". And I was yeah. like, yeah, right. Like, I've been next to Allen Iverson. That motherfucker is not 6'1". Tank might be 5'4 and a quarter. Yeah, he's, he's small. He, yeah. He's a little guy. But Maybe he could, he, borrow, he could borrow Floyd's shoes with the step-ups on the inside. Oh, God. <laughs> we all know. We all yes. know. The step-ups. The step-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd thought he was slick. Floyd, we, we see the inside of those shoes, boy. Got them Prince heels popping. I see it. <laughs> yeah, nah, but Tank, we'll see. It, it's a good fight for him. And honestly, you, you look at the landscape of boxing and people like it's a secondary title, but it probably is enough to get him ranked number one contender for one of the belts at 140 yeah i mean so what do you dude we're about to talk about canelo envy yadiran was ranked number one by the wbc and the motherfucker hadn't won a fight in two years and lost on a technical decision to anthony durrell who got washed by david benavidez and this guy was the number one contender by the wbc and then mauricio suma had the nerve to go on akam barak the other day to say uh, we got to figure out this thing with the mandatories. Word? Really? <laughs> you control that. <laughs> that's, that's your organization that did this shit. That's it's fucking nuts, man. I, like, yeah. I, sanctioning bodies are just... They're, they're, there's good and bad in sanctioning bodies. And this is the bad when you have these mandatories that are just utterly bullshit. Yeah, sometimes it's okay to have a mandatory. Some people deserve it, right? Like, Ugas is a legit mandatory. Yeah, nobody wants to fight no, him. You got to force no. people to fight him. Sean Porter, legit mandatory. This, some of these other guys, it's like, come on. Like, 
we we know, like your eyes know. Um, I would also would like it to be like a universal system between all governing bodies, but it will not be that way. No. Like one, one person being number one on one list and five on the other makes no fucking sense. It's, dude, it's, it's the yin and the yang of the sanction of bodies. Like you don't want to have the promoter rank the fighters. So you want to have an outside organization do so. And in doing that, you split it up into multiple organizations who each have their own agendas and their own fighters that they really like or fighters that they don't like. Which is why you'll see a fighter ranked number three by the WBO and not ranked at all by the WBA. It's kind of stupid. And then the IBF will have them like ranked two. Shit don't make any sense. No sense at all. So um, that's where we stand with Tank Davis talking and touching on Canelo. But wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Before we talk about Canelo, because we were just talking about T.O., you're an ESPN guy. I am. That, that I am. The fucking Triller deal. Holy shit. To be fair, he's been very complimentary of ESPN. Like, yeah, like Tio knows what's up. We we good money. Me and Tio see eye to eye. We're good. I saw him at the fight. I saw him uh, when I went into the bubble for this latest fight for um, who was it? Whatever the title fight was, Valdez Valdez fight. Yeah, the Valdez fight. I saw him. Chopped it up with him. Uh, him and his pops. We were talking. He's in great spirits. He loves like the ESPN thing. Top ranked him. Put up the money. Um. They gave a bit, but, you know, obviously Matchroom outbid them. Matchroom didn't get it. And Triller came in. When you triple top ranks joint for a fight with a mandatory, then kudos to you. Um, I personally think being like removing myself from the situation of working there um, and top rank being a partner and everything, I personally think it's an overreaction from both sides and from the public. I think uh, they come back, they figure out a way to keep the partnership going and they, they keep going together. I think uh, cooler heads will, will, will come to pass and these, these things will go by the wayside. Teal's going to get his money. I think top rank moving forward, especially after he does numbers, um, sees the, the benefit of keeping him and having him in the prime position as a star and paying him as such. And I think they just find him bigger fights in the near future to justify that. And uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think they make it work out. And that's just objectively. Um, I'm a cover Teofimo wherever the hell he goes. I'm covering the trailer fight. But objectively, I think they, they figure out a way to get it done. But bravo for Triller. Fuck Man. it. Anything that goes to purse bid, you grab because you can put a YouTube fight with it and do stupid numbers. This is what, look, man, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of this. Aram not paying T.O. and allowing this to go to a purse bid was the worst possible decision. Tiafima Lopez just beat Vasily Lomachenko. Yeah. He wanted a little bit, he wanted some more money. Aram didn't want it. You know that both Matchroom and Triller are lurking. It wasn't like Triller was not thinking. Like, they've been dipping their hands, spent a lot of money on that Tyson-Roy Jones fight. Yeah. And they want to legitimize themselves. So did they overbid? Absolutely. But that's sometimes what you have to do. But either way, Top Rank was going to lose the match room. This, is, this was going to be a problem between the Teofima Lopez and uh, Top Rank Brass because what kind of vote of confidence is it when you won't pay the, the guy who is – uh, unified the titles, being the number, arguably the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. You didn't want to pay him, 
Triller is going to pay him a lot more to fight George Kambosis, and which might be in Australia, but probably won't be. Triller is going to have a high-end production, a very entertaining show. Yep. They'll put some YouTuber on there, and then they'll come back again and offer Tio another fight. But I, I don't think show. I don't think they do. I, I think they jump yeah. around to different people I, each time. I don't know, man. Like it just it really depends on what's next for each fighter. But I don't think. Like, they, if Tio, if they could find, like, let's just say, right, that Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy did him dirty and Triller found a way to scoop that up. Yeah. Like, Triller could build a stable of fighters on, with YouTube. And let's, let's be honest, man, their high-end production on the Roy Jones-Tyson thing was just a kind of a small sample of what is what we need in boxing. Yeah. Like, everybody else is not doing this shit. No, but you can only overpay it for so long. Like, Should, it, it's not. pockets are deep enough. I, they, I, look, Triller's got at least 12 to 18 months of this bullshit of over, yeah. like, truly overpaying. But if they continue to overpay, it could pay off. It could ultimately pay off. So I just, if you're a, but the other side of this is if you're a fighter and you just watch top rank do that to Tio and Tio went to Triller, and if you're a lesser fighter, you're going to Triller as well. You're yeah. looking and like you're gonna act, you're gonna overprice yourself so you don't get the the you let it go to a purse bid with whatever promoter that you're with in hopes that Triller picks up your fight. Yep, exactly. Shout out to Regis Prograce. Yeah, like dude, Prograce should fight Adrian Broner, right? Like that's what we all think. Yep. Broner stinks. Dude, Triller's gonna pay top dollar for that if both of them look at each other. If Broner says I deserve more because he does it all the time. Triller's going to go, okay, you do. No, you don't. But we're just going to overpay you so we can get this fight. Yep. They got about 18 months of this shit. And if they legitimize themselves, shit could get real interesting. I think in the end, I think they jump around. They get at least one legit fight for all of these cards. I think it's smart on their end. Um, I, I don't understand it. And this is just like personally, like, this is any sport. So if you're bad in the NBA or in the NFL and you get four straight number one picks overall, right? You're hoping that you hit on those number one picks. That's natural. You then can't be surprised. Like if you pick Patrick Mahomes and then have to pay Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes money, right? Like if your number one overall pick becomes worthy of being a number one overall pick and he's everything you want you then have to pay him like that you you got your you got your free years but if you keep getting the best prospects in any sport and you are as good as you are at scouting as you think you are and they all hit you're gonna have a lot of max players on your hands and boxing is no different Top rank has an amazing eye for talent out of the Olympics, um, signing kids now at 16, 17, like Berlanga could be a star. Elvis Rodriguez is amazing. These are just super young kids. Diofimo's already there. They, they have all of these, these pieces. Um, you have what big baby Anderson as a heavyweight. What if he takes off? After Tyson Fury, like, you have all these diaper dandies 
if they work out and if you hit because your eye for talent is that good, you're going to have to pay them all. You can't be shocked when it's time to pay them. You can't say, I thought I was going to pay them when they're 30 and they ended up being incredible at 23. Like, no, you pay them when you pay them. So you just can't hope they come back, too. You can't be so confident that it's just like, oh, they'll come back. Because what I are think, you going to pay them? Yeah, this is, this is the one. Like, matchroom winning, I think, would have been a lot more problematic. I think Triller is in the position where they're like, yo, we're not taking ourselves overly serious yet. Um, we know that we're a mix between the two worlds. So we'll take your fighter, make him a bigger fighter, and send him back to you. But when we send him back to you, he's going to be a bigger fighter. He'll bring you more eyes, but you also got to pay him more money. Because we already set I mean, that look, precedent. Look, I, I work for the, the zone. And for the record, people, I don't work for the zone anymore. I do freelance stuff here and there. I work for Sporting News. We got bought out. And, yeah, they're separate entities now. That being said, the zone overpaid everybody Every for that first person. year. Yeah. Why? Because they needed to establish themselves as a network. Yeah. So they overpaid. You have to do – dude – Fucking Sugar Ray Leonard was getting overpaid and then sat at home and did nothing because he's terrible on commentary, right? So it's like, but you have to overpay for names to get the recognition. It may not always work out, but it's the only way that you can stay above water. Fortunately, the zone and matchroom had a relationship, so they already had, like, built-in fighters. Trill is going to have to find a promoter to team up with. Golden Boys with the zone, matchrooms with the zone, top rank has ESPN, PBC, and Showtime. Fox. Like, Gilberto, where's Gilberto Ramirez? Because he just signed somewhere. Because he tried to do the independent route, but he signed. Golden Boy, oh, I believe. Yeah, Golden Boy. Signed with Golden so, Boy. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if it have to be Lou DiBella. Uh, shout out to Lou. Lou's a good friend. Um, but they're going to have to team up with another promoter and, and yeah. funnel this money to, to get fighters. Because that's what the zone and Matchroom did. They signed Devin Haney. They got Mikey Garcia for that one fight, and they're trying to bring him back because establishing good relationships. Triller's trying to do the same fucking thing. But it's not a U.K. brand. They are stateside trying to do legend fights, YouTube fights. Sounds exactly like what The Zone did, but they're actually doing it maybe at a higher level by bringing in a Snoop Dogg and an Israel Adesanya on commentary. There's a lot of shit that could break right for Triller. There's yeah. also a lot of shit can go completely wrong for Triller as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think boxing is not completely ready to break out of the fold. I mean, Teofimo's talking about starting his own company, kind of like Mayweather did and all yeah. this stuff. Like, yeah, they they all do. Like, um, I, I think that's a little bit premature. But at the same time, it's like, yo, I, I think he knows his worth. All this did was show worth and value. Pay the kid. And he wasn't, he's not asking for the world. You know, he's not Adrian Broner, 10 mil to fight. Like, he, he's not asking for stupid money. Pay the kid. And then have a legit star. Have your next Manny Pacquiao. Have your, your Floyd Mayweather before he left. Have your Oscar De La Hoya. Pay him. All those guys left. Just don't, don't make it a thing. Like, I understand the model. It's kind of like you want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. And you say, yo, we've competed like this. Like, yeah, don't, don't, don't moneyball this shit. Just be the Dodgers. Like, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some money. So we'll see how that works out uh, with Canelo. I mean, honestly, it's not overly, like, too much things to talk about with Canelo. He went, 
Yildirim was Yildirim. He beat it. Canelo beat his ass. Not even crazy. He really just started to get loose in the third round. And Yildirim was like, yo, my direct deposit clear? Yup. All right, I'm out of here. And his corner stopped it. Like the, I think if he goes out there for the fourth, it's a, it's a highlight knockout. Because when you get oh. knocked down and you get up and you laugh, you know, like, oh, I'm over my head. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's like, you know, playing somebody in a video game and you put it on all Madden and you're like, whoa, hang on a second there. Yeah, I'm going to just go ahead and rage quit because <laughs> this ain't it. And that's kind of what he did, except, you know, he, he knew the check clear and he was like, I'm good. But it was a stay busy fight for Canelo. Yodirim didn't have anything for him at all. And Canelo just washed him. And now we're getting the Billy Joe Saunders fight in May, which should be a really good fight. But um, does Saunders have Canelo, what it takes to really challenge? Sa- I I think Saunders is the best pure boxer Canelo's faced since Arisandi Lara mm-hmm. in terms of straight boxing ability. Um, Daniel Jacobs was a good boxer, but not a great boxer. He was kind of a slugger as well. Callum Smith was a good boxer, not a great boxer. But we've seen Billy Joe Saunders, like what he did to David Lemieux, box circles around that man that night. Yeah. Billy Joe Saunders is a really, really good boxer. Doesn't have a ton of power. He also tends to fight to the level of his competition. So when he fought Lemieux, he looked phenomenal. But when he fought, I don't know what the guy's name with, and he went like nine rounds, he, he just kind of – he stoops to the level of his competition. But I think he's going to have his game up for Canelo. Canelo still beats him. Canelo's the best fighter in the world. I mean, I look, I'm not – the Yadiram fight didn't do anything in terms of that. Like, it didn't solidify it anymore. But I think it just – just more of what we already know. When you watch Canelo fight, you're watching something special. That guy is special. And I, people still argue with Terrence Crawford. No. It's Canelo and everybody else right now. Period. Yeah. I mean, Benavidez is the wild card. Yeah, he's a wild card. You just got to make weight. <laughs> I mean, he's a wild card in more ways than one. Sure. But if he makes weight, he looks good in the gym right now. I mean, dude, David Benavidez. I've, I've been talking about David Benavidez for at least three years. And the kid's still, what, 22 or 23? Like, he's young. He's, he's the biggest threat to Canelo because of one simple reason. Same thing why Golovkin gave Canelo hell. He's not scared to get hit. He'll throw punches and not stop. That's the only way to beat Canelo. You can't fight, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about UFC. You can't fight Canelo in a boxing match. You will lose every single time. If you take the fight to Canelo, you can steal rounds. If you're David Benavidez, you're like, I'm not really worried about his power. Even though you might get knocked out, but that's the only way you're going to win the fight. Golovkin took some hellacious shots from Canelo and didn't blink at that fight. Didn't blink. Other fighters get scared. Callum Smith clammed up. Daniel Jacobs couldn't touch him. Uh, you just kind of go down the list of people that Canelo's fought. Once he neutralizes your weapons and you stop throwing, you lost. You need somebody that's just going to throw punches. Golovkin just threw punches and hunted him nonstop. I don't know if Saunders is going to do that. If he fights a boxing match with Canelo, he's going to lose. I, then Billy Joe Saunders doesn't have it. Like, no, he doesn't he, have he it for him. the firefight. No, no, like, that's not it. Plant, and I love Plant, and he's slick. He doesn't, nope. he doesn't have it in him for the firefight. You have to hurt Canelo. Yeah. You have to show Canelo that you can hurt him and that his power don't mean shit to you. And Canelo hits pretty fucking hard. 
Yeah. And so it takes a better B ever, better B ever some shit. Like, yeah, and even better B ever, he's not very defensively sound. So no. it's kind of dangerous in that fight because Canelo is just extraordinary defensively. And he's an excellent counterpuncher who puts his punches together well. You just have to be a – that's why Golovkin just – even now, Golovkin still is probably going to be his toughest fight. Even old and washed, seemingly washed-up Golovkin is a guy who's not going to stop coming after you. He's, he's still maybe the best possible fight outside of Benavidez right now or a jump to 175. Yeah. I see a lot, though, that says – and this name still keeps coming up – Charlo. Oh, God. No, man. Charlo, Charlo, Charlo. No? I mean, you're talking about oh. someone who, who punches, who will throw. Charlo. No, Char- Charles. not – listen, I think Charlo is great. But is he busy enough? He's had so many lapses in fights where he doesn't throw a lot of punches. He's not a really aggressive fighter. He's a catch-and-shoot type of guy. Mm. And he's not – he's not like an Andre Ward catch-and-shoot type of guy where Andre Ward will punish you for making a mistake. That's why Andre Wars was going to be absolutely Canelo's toughest fight that fight ever happened. Big, strong, excellent counterpuncher. Can do things better than Canelo. Would have been a great fight. But Charlo? Mm-mm, no. Canelo, uh, Canelo beats him too. Pretty handily. And I think to the point where Canelo will try to knock him out. I was going to say, you think he stops him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Charlo is just like the rest. I mean, he's a guy who's moved up a weight. Canelo's a guy who moved up a weight. You know how happy Canelo would be to see somebody his size in his weight class? Oh, just, again, he's fighting giants now. Like, so I'm saying he's, he's beating up giants. Like, Charlo's not that much bigger than Canelo. Canelo will welcome that fight. Like, Canelo Plant's big. He's 68, but he's big. Charlo's not that big. Canelo beats, he, Canelo beats up on Charlo. It's fun for about four rounds, and then Charlo figures out he can't hit Canelo, and he freezes just like everybody else. He freezes. They all freeze. That's what Floyd used to do to people, which is crazy because they're different kind of defensive fighters, but Floyd froze his opponents, and that's what Canelo does. He freezes them. Yildirim didn't want to throw a punch anymore. And he went to his corner, and Joel Diaz was like, you got anything left? Yildirim was like, my bank, my bank says my check cleared, and Joel was like, let's go home. Because you have no chance. <laughs> uh, that's tough. There's a lot of Canelo, or excuse me, a lot of Charlo fans that are not going to be happy with crazy. that take. <laughs> I, just, Kel, answer me this. You watched Charlo fight. Yeah. Who has he beat? Like off rip, off the top of my head. I don't know what his <laughs> I mean, impressive fight is. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, who has he beat? Who has he beat when you think of – think about it. I mean, did he beat Lara? Think that's about it. That's Lara, right? Like, I think he fought Lara. Damn, that's horrible. Jamal, Jamal Charlo's best two wins, and I'll tell you this off the top, are his last fight, Durovchenko. Oh, yeah. Took to a decision, and Austin Trout. Other than yeah, that – Fight Lara. Yeah, Trout. Now, he hasn't fought anybody. Exactly. He fought Matt Oh, J-Rock. J-Rock was his best one. Yeah, but all right, we cool. Watched J-Rock, and we thought J-Rock was pretty damn good at that point. We did, and we, we'll give Charlo credit for that. But is that the same as fighting Canelo? So no. what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is, like, you go down Charlo's list. Derevchenko, you go uh, J-Rock, you go Austin Trout. Then after that, who you got? 
Cornelius Bundridge, canine? No. Matt Korobov, Hugo Centennial Jr., Dennis Hogan? Come on, man. It's two different levels to this shit. This ain't it. He, he, this is a different fight. I would like to see Charlo fight somebody like Golovkin first. Prove to me that you deserve a Canelo fight. That's tough. I mean, yeah, I mean, right now is the time to fight Golovkin. Like, if you can it swing it, like, fuck it. Because if you can't beat him, you can't beat Canelo anyway. Right. So take it. You make some good money because it's a big fight. Oh, yeah. And on the other side, if you're Matchroom, if you're Eddie Hearn, this shit I'll get off the pot with Triple G because the Canelo fight ain't happening no time soon. So you, you got to cash out one way or another. Hey, Matchroom we'll would leave. save money on that. If they let it go to a purse bid, they'd save money compared to what they usually pay Triple G on DAZN. I mean, they could they could lend they can lease him out to PBC for a pay per view. Just come to a deal, go to PBC and say, "Hey, make this a pay per view: Golovkin versus Charlo." You can yeah. have him. You can have him for one fight. Pay us handsomely, and we're good. Yeah. Because we don't know what Golovkin has left, and we'd rather not wait and kick the tires on this shit. Let's go ahead and have this fight. If he beats up Charlo, then we're just gonna book the Canelo fight. But if Charlo wins, hey, now we have a pay per view: Canelo and Charlo, huge fight. Simple. Yeah. I mean, DAZN wouldn't have that pay-per-view. Matchroom would. I mean, Matchroom and Maybe. DAZN. I mean, Canelo they, can cut them right work the out fuck something. out. Yeah. They would, they would work out something. Because it depends. Because Canelo really does like the relationship with Eddie Hearn, which is what I told people. People were like, no, he hates DAZN. No, he likes Eddie Hearn. He hates Oscar De La Hoya. Again, there's different entities. People don't, like, see these things. Like, no. Diofimo's having a rocky time with Top Rank. He really likes ESPN. Yeah, it's th- like there's different entities. The yeah, there's different entities here. Like if he went dolo and really made Teofimo promotions, he'd probably still fight on ESPN. Of course, like they, they, you know, you know where the uh, the bread is getting buttered. Like so, with Canelo and Charlo, that's a fight that needs to be made. It would be made next year. It's not gonna happen this year, but this year, why not Charlo and Triple G? Yeah, no, I like Set it. Me up. Canelo's going for all the belts. He's trying to collect the Infinity Stone. So whatever you can do in the meantime to earn that next fight against Thanos, (laughs) Canelo, then, yeah, you do it. Why not? That's the smart move to do. Um, This weekend, talking about Infinity Stone collecting, Claresha Shields, pay-per-view. Shout out to the quote, who is, which is still the weirdest word ever. Um, Just sounds strange. It sounds horrible. (laughs) Uh, But... It is her first pay-per-view. She was tired of waiting for promoters and Showtime and all that shit. Not only did she start her MMA training for her MMA career, she's coming up in a couple of months, but she's not giving up on boxing. Made this, did this camp in eight weeks, cut the weight, 154, made it easy. I think she was like 153.2. Not a problem there for her. And... Now it's like, okay, full steam ahead. She could become the first boxer ever to be undisputed in two different weight classes. And I think it's yeah. 12 fights. <laughs> like, like it's something stupid. 12, 13 fights. I mean, it's kind of absurd that we're at this point where Clarissa Shields can't get a fight. You know, MMA and boxing treat women so differently. Oh, so, like, so different. Well, that's not you true. Know, Shout out to Eddie Hearn who treats his women well, yes, how they should yes. be treated. And yes. amazing. Eddie Hearn's actually a really good promoter. Like, he if is. we're just keeping it a buck, he's a really, really good promoter. I mean, look, 
man. I, Eddie knows me. I know Eddie. And Eddie, I laugh at Eddie because I know when he's blowing smoke, when he does interviews. I'm like, Eddie, really? But he's a promoter. And he's actually a fun promoter. But he actually sees the other side of the game. And he's like, oh, there's money over here with the women. Yep. So let's do it. You know, Caskill and Brock is going to fight again. Let's do it. Like, you know, Katie Taylor, you know, obviously the Amanda Serrano thing didn't happen. Lou DeBella's got her fighting on, what is that, Ring City or some shit like that? But yeah. women boxing has an opportunity to flourish, and I don't know how they're dropping the ball with Clarissa Shields. I don't get it. The UFC would never let this happen with their top star. No. Not like that. No. She'd have a fight. Amanda Nunez is going to fight. Like, they're, they're not going to let Amanda Nunez go to boxing the way Clarissa Shields signed with the PFL. That's absurd. And she's doing a pay-per-view on a Friday night, the day before a UFC pay-per-view. It's not a good idea, but at least she's getting her money. Yep. They got to fix this thing. Like, women's boxing, they got to fix some shit. She needs to get paid more. I, I don't know the ins and outs of her contract, obviously. I don't know if there's a non-compete with another company um, in terms of whatever her deal was on Showtime, maybe pay-per-view is the only way she can go. Uh, maybe she can't fight on another network. I don't know how the hell she got out of that, to be honest. Um, they, it's almost unfathomable to think that they would just let her walk. It, it, it's kind of crazy. But if she did, she should sign with Matchroom tomorrow. Like, just prove that she can be a pay-per-view star. Not even a star. Just sell some pay-per-views. And then take all of that and be like, yo, Eddie, let's do this. Because there's plenty of people to fight over there. And they'll at least give you two fights a year. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't want to say I feel bad for Clarissa because she is still making money. She's not getting paid her worth. It's kind of like women's boxing with Clarissa Shields. It's kind of like the scenario where we watch Shaq and Candace Parker on 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 uh, uh, TNT. TNT. Yeah. Are, are you about to pick and roll how the game has changed? And Shaq being the old guy who's making a lot more money but doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about versus Candace Parker who really knows what she's talking about and is clearly getting paid less than Shaq. But looking at Shaq, like, don't mansplain these things to me because I know the game. Clarissa knows the game. She can whoop a lot of dudes in boxing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Period. Pay that woman. She knows she's – not, she's not doing anything that's any different than any other male fighter has done over the years. But y'all want to treat her different because she's a woman. Boxing's so that. far behind in general. Like, it makes no sense that the same governing bodies that will sanction five-round, five-minute fights for women in MMA like we're seeing this weekend – in their title fight, 25 minutes, won't sanction a 12-round, three-minute each fight for a women's title. Like, why do men boxers have different rules? Because it protects the women, but not MMA. I don't know. No sense. Like, you, same athletic commissions, yep. same states. Like, the same motherfuckers who would let Jake Paul get in there and have a legit fight. Nate Robinson took a professional fight. Yeah. But a woman can't fight 36 minutes. What? Like it, yeah, it's ass backwards. So shout out to Clarissa. I hope she does it. I hope she becomes the first to capture that milestone. And then we'll see. I mean, it, it's scary because we saw some of those cyborg cuts, right? Like the shaking, the bath, like uh, she gets a little crazy. But it would be interesting to see because 147 has an undisputed champ. We're going to have the run it back. We're going to come out with another undisputed champ. If she can make the cut once, and you just see if you can fight at 147. 
and go three divisions. Undisputed. Yeah. And to be fair, she could have done it at 168, but she decided to leave real quick. You could always do that again later on in your career. If you felt like just yeah, not taking the weight off. But if you want to do it now, she's 25. Extreme weight cut. I know it's horrible at any time, but you're 25. Like, if there's a time to do it, those six more pounds, if they can come off, then you take it all and you, and you see. You see if you can go for the, the trifecta. So we'll see. Clarissa has a bright future. She has, we'll see what her future's like in MMA. Because she, she could be a star there and just never come back. Indeed. So yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. We are going to break right now. When we come back, we're talking MMA because the UFC has a huge paper. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Like Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still we'll be in on the action back at BetOnline. BetOnline is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back, and we're talking MMA to round this out. Dre, I'm looking through this card, man. Um, I guess before we dive into UFC 259, I feel like we have to talk about Dana White in this whole Kamaev retirement, non-retirement, bringing in a dictator situation. I mean, the guy caught the Rona, has not bounced back. Misha Tate, shout out to Big Mac, and on their show said that she was at Extreme Couture and the kid was training through it. His lungs are like 30%. He posts a picture coughing up blood. Like he won't stop. He won't slow down. I mean, if he wants to retire, I think he'll unretire when he gets healthy. But let the man retire so he just stopped training for a second. Like, poor Kamayev is coughing up blood and saying, I'm going to retire. Regardless of his mental state, let the man do whatever he's doing because you don't – obviously, you're Dana White. You don't have to listen. Khabib and Megamedov is still number one on the pound for pound list. The motherfucker told you retired last year. Yeah. Right? He's still there. You've removed people for less. But Kamayev, yeah, he's had the Rona. We've seen him take pictures without a – like, this was – he did it to himself, right? And if he wants to say, I'm done fighting, and then come back when he feels better, let him do it. Don't be a bully. This is very, very bully shit. I don't like it. I don't like it. Him meeting with Khabib and telling you know, Khabib he's not going to retire. And then the same week, he's cutting Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem. This shit is wild. Reem was one fight away from a title shot not too long ago. Too much money, man. Dana don't want to pay these guys. but Yeah, he doesn't want to pay the, the veteran 10-year salary. No, nah, he's like, I'm good. Because, again, like I said, what we talked about this at the end of the year. The UFC proved that they can have events and put anybody on a card. As long as you have, like, one or two names, the card's still going to sell. So yeah. there's no place for Dos Santos because he's not, you know, headlining. There's no place for Alistair Overeem. He just got washed. Chris Weidman, you're the next up. See you later, buddy. 
overpaid. You'll never be a contender again. There's no reason to pay you as much as they're paying you to be the fourth guy in the card. Yeah, Even though they can, they won't. Nah, my dude Woodley. Yeah, Tyron. Tyron loses his next fight. See ya. Yeah, it's tough. Out of here. I feel Out like they here. just got the list, and they'll just wait for you to lose. Frankie Edgar? You can't cut Frankie. Shit. You think they can't? I mean, they cut Anderson Silva, so who knows? But at least, at least then, like, you were looking like, please stop fighting Anderson. Frankie's, like, still dope. But Frankie just got obliterated by Corey Sanhagen. Obliterated. So, when, when Frankie fights again, if he loses, can, they're not even going to think about putting him on the main card. Look, dude, we're watching the card. The only reason that Dominic Cruz isn't going to get cut is because he's excellent on commentary and as an analyst. <laughs> That's true. He's That's fighting true. on the prelims right now. Like, he's fighting on the prelim. Yeah, that's he's tough. A, he's a prelim fighter. The, arguably one of the greatest bantamweights of all time is a prelim fighter. Man only got three losses. It's crazy. But, but you know, but Dominic Cruz has been excellent on commentary. Frankie doesn't do commentary. If Frankie gets knocked out again, not got knocked out by Ortega, knocked out by Sanhagen. If he were to fight again and lose, mm, Bellator, baby, or 1FC, he's out of here. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, anyone who's like that small, one might break the check. Yeah, he'll um, go somewhere, but he, yeah, he won't be in the UFC anymore. That's tough. All right, let's go through this card then. Um, again, it's stacked, man. It's a stacked card. You say we've seen cards this good. I'm... It's been a while, I think. Maybe into the two twenties. But it's this is this is stacked for a card. Um, Tim Elliott's on the early prelims. Tim Elliott always gives a good fight, so that's going to be good. Jake Matthews early prelims, but we're going for the normal prelims here. Um, I mean, wait. When we talk about stacked cards, immediately you'll see two forty nine. Gaethje Ferguson, Cejudo Cruz. And Ghana Rosenstruck, it's pretty loaded. Pettis Cerrone, Stevens Cater, that was a loaded fucking card. That's good. This one's better. Mm. Okay. I don't know if it's better. Oh, that's tough. I'll, I'll explain why as we go down the card. All right. So we have uh, – we'll just go real quick, giving our prediction. Joseph Benavidez, another one who could be 1FC bound if he gets nerfed, unfortunately. But trying to bounce back – um, Askar, Askarov, they don't give Joe any, any softballs. No, he's going to lose this fight. Yes, he's going to lose this fight. This is, I mean, he'll lose by decision. Maybe. If he gets nerfed, like, like that's, that's tough. I think he lasts 15 minutes. I, he, he'll, he'll be bloodied. How about that? It's Benavidez, you know, the only thing that might keep him in the UFC is making a Levy. <laughs> At this point. Nah, he would have to do some commentary because, like, they'll just be like, yo, listen. I'm just saying he's making a leave. He's your husband, so. No, yeah, but, I mean, he, he got to go into the booth. Like, she, like she's in media, right? Like, he, yeah. he, he, better, he better pick up the trade because, no. Like, she ain't going somewhere if he gets cut. He's 37. No. But, so, I, I don't even think that keeps him there. Like, Benavides has a shot at winning. Benavides is a really good fighter. He's the bridesmaid, never the bride. So, I, but I have Askarov beating him in this fight. Yeah, he's been nerfed one too many times lately. I mean, it was only Figueredo fights who got nerfed. But other than that, he's lost narrow decisions. Well, Demetrius Johnson. 
Anytime he fights in a title fight, he just doesn't win. <laughs> but that's just where it is. Non-titled Joseph Benavidez could be a thing. Like C-Level yeah. Kane. Oh, God, C-Level Kane. <laughs> remember when he was in the WWE for like three weeks? Oh, God. What do you have? No, don't. I don't remember. And I just, <laughs> I do now. Thank you very much. Um, oh, you remember TRT Belfort? How good was that? I saw a picture of the Ream the other day. Oh, yoked up Ream? Dude, you think Ream's not taking supplements right now? Oh, my God. That man is 30% of the size that he was. Yo, his traps were absurd. Insane. Oh, the ream was crazy. Oh, he's he's a little bit better man. when he's not juiced to the gills. You, you remember, you, obviously, everybody who's ever played football has seen the program. He's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's your man's now. Yeah, the, the D-tackle. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, nah, this is it's exactly what the ream I'm was. I'm sorry. If Reem wasn't, like, juicing, I mean, nobody believes it because everybody's seen what he looked like. But if he wasn't, this would be, like, slander. But, yeah, man, it's crazy. But it's not. It's, I know. There's, there's a, a straight line between pre-Usada Reem and post-Usada Reem. I know. We've, I mean, they look, like, entirely different. It's, it it's looks like, like his Banner. little brother. Yeah, it's, no, it's like Dr. Banner and the Hulk. It's like, word? Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah, anyway. no, it's, it's completely, completely different guy. Um, skills again, better for skinny Reem. That's what we're gonna we're gonna start talking about him like big Luther and skinny Luther. It's gonna be big Reem and low Reem. Yeah, and big Reem's curl didn't quite curl. So yeah, give me skinny Reem all day. Um, next fight, Song Yadong. It's the best name. In the UFC, <laughs> love it every time he fights. There's Kyler Phillips. I don't know Kyler Phillips. So let's go, Yadong. I mean, Yadong, you know, he had a draw with Cody Stammen, and he's, I think he hasn't lost in the UFC. So, yeah, I'm yeah. going Song Yadong. Song Yadong sounds like an Asian porn star, but all right. Yeah, Song Yadong. That's such a good name. And then we go uh, Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny. Main event. Dominic Cruz is winning this. Yes. Dominic Cruz is foot. Like, you have to be a special fighter to be Dominic Cruz, no matter how old Dominic is. That footwork is just something to deal with. And Casey Kane's not going to be able to keep up with that shit. No, he looked good against Cejudo for a second. Yes, he got caught. Got you caught, have, and it was over. I mean, Cody Garbrandt had the boxing skills, and Cejudo caught Dominic because up until that point, it looked like Cejudo was going to get chopped up. So, yeah, definitely picking Dominic Cruz to win this fight. All right. Trivia. How many fights has Dominic Cruz had since 2017? Oh, it's like two, right? Three? One. Oh, actually, yeah, shit, he was hurt. He was out. Yep. That's Dominic right. Cruz. The Cody Garbrandt fight was in 2016. Yes, it was. Oh, my God. He has a, December yes, he has. 30th, 2016, was the Garbrandt fight. Oh, yeah. This is the oil check fight. They're checking to see if the oil's still good in this machine. That's yep. why this Casey Kenny fight's happening. On the <laughs> Cruz came back after a three-year layoff, three and a half, to fight Cejudo for the title. Cold Turkey, 2020, yep. and lost. Yep. Yep. And that was his only fight in what's about to be five years. That's incredible crazy for Dominic Cruz. At one time, one of the best ever. Just injuries are a mofo. Um, Sure. Yeah. 
but I'll take Cruz to win this. Cruz is the Grant Hill of the sport. Or the Ken Griffey. Where you're like, fuck, he was really good. But once the legs went, it was a rat. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to think of somebody else where an injury just, just derailed and they kept trying to come back. Nothing's I mean, worse Penny, than Grant Hill, yo. Penny Hardaway was pretty bad. Penny was yeah, but Grant was like the heart of the Pistons. Uh, shit, Penny Grant was Mr. The, Duke. Penny took the magic to the championship. That was rat. And had like the greatest shoes ever at one point. Those foams? Yeah, but Penny had Shaq. Grant had nobody. No, I'm just saying, but Grant didn't go to no championship. Penny Hardaway was a 6'9 point. Like, he was the, the Magic Johnson level point guard. He was there to change the game. He could score, he could shoot, he could pass, he could do everything. He got injured. It was over. Like, super over. Yeah, he didn't even reach the championship. I can't even think of someone who reached championship level and then was just done. Like, he was cooked. He went to Phoenix. It was over for Penny Hardaway. Penny should have been a Hall of Famer. He was that good. Dominic Cruz has got that same trajectory. At least Dominic Cruz won a championship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't even think of someone who was like perennial all-star titles and was just gone in a blink because of injuries. I'm sure I can think of somebody, but I'm not going to do it right Yeah, now. that's that's big man level. Like, your knees go out. That's, fuck, not even Amari Stoudemire. Like, guy number one. That's, yeah. It's crazy. Um, main card. Maybe this is where it gets iffy. Tiago Santos, Alexander Rakic. Rakic. Um, Tiago Santos is still really good to me. He's 37? Who would have thought he was 37? This is Tiago. This is a good-ass fight. Really good fight. Rakic only lost to Ozdemir in the UFC. He beat up on Anthony Smith. Which so, was surprising. Yes, but nobody thought that was going to happen. I'm picking Tiago Santos because I think somebody's getting knocked out. But – I'm picking Tiago Santos. It's hard to believe that man is like closing in on 40 and was finally a title contender and actually gave John Jones a hard time. So I'm picking Tiago Santos. This is a really good fight. This is a really good card. I'm just saying, compared to 249, this is about even. It's the title fight that we're going to talk about in a second. Yep. And then um, who's next? Islam, Makhev, Drew Dober. Uh, Makhachev is going to take this. He's... Islam Makhachev. These motherfucking Dagestani fighters. <laughs> I mean, Habib, Habib and Daniel Habib. Cormier have been talking this kid up. Yes. Like, he is the best shit since sliced bread. Like, DC said, oh, you're talking wrestling. Habib's not the best wrestler in the room. It's like Islam is better than Habib wrestling. And I was yeah. like, sir, you're wildin'. He is wildin', but... Didn't Islam walk into a triangle choke and just get fucked up not too long ago? No, he, he got – no, he, the only fight that he's lost was is – I think it was like his first or second UFC fight. He got knocked out. Oh, okay, okay. Different one. There was yeah, a, that was, and that was like six years ago. Since then, he's just been like a decision machine. Like he's oh, just, yeah. Adriano Martins is the one who go. beat him. Knocked him out minute 40. Yeah, just walked into something. Yeah, but other than that, he's just – he's wrestled fucked everybody. So – that's what's going to happen here. Drew Dober is really strong, too. Got a strong base, but this is a fight that's just going to show people how strong Makachev's wrestling is. Dober is going to get taken down at will. Might get finished. Drew Dober got a strong-ass chin. Yes, he does. Like that's the crimson he, chin. <laughs> he's going to absorb all that punishment. It's just what's going to happen. Yeah, this good showcase fight, though. Good job yeah. for Islam. Like, 
yeah, roll, roll with it. So that's why Habib is having dinner. Okay, I get you. What else? Um, <laughs> Habib, you're just going to have dinner with him every time one of his fighters is on the card. They ain't going to change shit. Yeah. Listen, I've gone a lot of places for a free meal. You talk about like your, your dating comparisons. I know a lot of women who took dates with ugly dudes just to have a free dinner. That's Habib. Right now, yeah. he's, he's just like, all right, man. Like, I'm done with you. But it's a free meal. Yeah, the eagle must eat. Yeah. <laughs> the eagle's like a buck 90 right now. He's just going to eat all these steaks, whatever thing is going to feed him. <laughs> whatever he wants. Um, first title belt, Petre Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. It's the best fight on the card. Yep. Funk master all day. I don't, I don't even care. Funk master all day. I don't want to say it's the best fight on the card. It's the most evenly matched fight on this card because there's two reasons. Hey, Jan, even though he's champion, look at his resume. And then look at Aljo's resume. Yeah. I mean, they're not the same. No, Jan went through the outside of Jimmy Rivera. He went through the old man route to get here. He had kicked your eye favor and he beat up, uh, you know, Aldo. Yeah. Like a pretty much over the hill Aldo. Where Sterling beat Pedro, like, Jan didn't have to fight Pedro Munoz. Jan didn't have to fight Cody Garbrandt. Jan didn't really have to, he didn't have to fight Corey Sanhagen. He didn't have to fight Rafael Asuncao. Aljamain Sterling fought Marlon Moraes. Jan didn't have to do that. So Sterling's had a longer journey to get there, but we really don't know how good Jan is. And Jan is really good, but we've never really seen him tested. And in this fight, my biggest concern is... Can Aljo get inside? How good is Jan's takedown defense? We're going to find out. Because Aljo's not going to – if he'd be a fool if he stood there and just struck with him. Because he used those kicks to set up takedowns. Yep. He, as long as he's fighting from a distance, he's fine. I mean, Jan's not going to – see, I'm picking Aljo to win because I really like Aljo and I want him to win the title. Yep. But the challenge here is if Aljo gets cute and tries to stay on the outside and punt, Jan's, not, Jan's just going to walk up to him. He's going to close that distance really quick. As soon as he closes it, you trip his ass to take him down. But that's what we're going to find out. How good is Jan's takedown defense? That's, what, that's all this fight depends on. If Jan can stop the takedown, if we see him stop stuff two takedowns early, Aljo's done. He's not going to outpoint him. He, he's going to have to – outpointing him and striking. If he takes him down and can control him on the ground, it's a different fight. But if he can't take him down and you take that confidence away, Jan's going to bull him. I don't think this fight goes to distance. Somebody's getting finished. I think it goes to different distance. Um, I think Aljo takes damage, maybe mid-rounds. I think the wrestling's the difference, fourth, fifth round. So give me, like, Sterling winning the first just off of feeling each other out. Petrion catching him. Sterling surviving, just getting pieced up a little bit, but landing those takedowns fourth and fifth and winning the fight three rounds to two. It's possible. Proud. It all depends on Jan's takedown defense. But on paper, this is the most competitive fight on the card. Yep. Um, and I'm giving Jan a lot of credit from surviving on the ground and not being choked the hell out, which is no easy task against Aljamain. Aljamain is an A-class. like He's A-plus grappling. Yep. So And, and then – Co-main, Amanda Nunez, Megan Anderson. And this is where I say this fight's this card's not as stacked as you think it is. This is purely an exhibition fight. <laughs> That's so disrespectful to Megan Anderson. I like Megan Anderson, but let's just keep, let's be real. This is a perfect storm for if anyone, for any reason, wants to beat Amanda Nunez. 
and it won't be Megan Anderson. And I like Megan. I think she's great. But Megan Anderson is going to get choked out. She's not going to get knocked out. She's going to get choked out. She's going to get caught with something, and Amanda's going to wrap her ass up because Megan's ground game is suspect. Felicia Spencer submitted her. Yeah, that's You think Amanda – and Amanda, like, as, as good as we look at it as Amanda is like a striker, her game plans are very, very well put together. She knows where Megan Anderson's holes are, and Megan Anderson's never been knocked out before. She's going to hurt her like she did Misha Tate. She's going to choke her out. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Give me Amanda Nunez by KO, though. Even though I was just backing Megan Anderson and saying disrespectful to her. But uh, Amanda's power is just too crazy. She's too she's too And it's powerful. 145, not 135. It's like her natural weight. It's not even fair at that weight. No, and again, yeah. I think Megan Anderson's great. But listen, man, she got outpointed by Holly Holmes. She got choked out by Felicia Spencer. I can't get getting choked out in the first round by Felicia Spencer out of my mind. And Amanda Nunez is 12 times the grappler Felicia Spencer is. Yeah, she's just – she has more ways to get her to the ground. The power's there. Like, again, you have to hope that coming out of a pandemic, new child, just what was it like training – and you try to catch her somewhat rusty. That's that's the only thing. Other than that, yeah, this is this is one side is going to get. Yeah, um, main event: Jan Blachowicz, champion versus Israel Adesanya, light heavyweight title. Izzy second round KO. Go ahead. I we oh. can talk about it after, but I I was debating first or second round. It wouldn't shock me for a first round KO. Um, I'm picking out Asanya for reasons I've explained with the Whitaker fight, with the Costa fight. It's too fluid. It's too fluid. It's too many ways for him. His striking is just too good. And if if Blakovich can't take him down or he doesn't make him think about a takedown, he's done. It's over. You can't stand in front of Adesanya. It doesn't work. That being said, though, Blakovich hasn't been knocked out before. But neither had Paulo Costa. Yep. Who blamed it on wine, which is ridiculous. <laughs> he got drunk. Um, he said he got drunk to go to sleep. Come on, man. You got punch drunk. You got beat the fuck <laughs> up. Just take it like a man. But I think I think Blackwich could like this fight could go has been this. knocked out, by the way. Who did he get knocked out by? Tiago Santos. Oh, that's right. That's the only time he did get knocked out. It was in between his four fight winning streaks. That's yep. right. Tiago Santos has hellacious power though. He he, he does. But, but he was getting pieced up before the knockout. Yeah. Israel Adesanya, the only way he loses this fight is Blachowicz. Blachowicz is a very good grappler, and nobody really sees that from him. He's a very good grappler, but you got to close the distance. And even though Adesanya is moving up in weight, he's still the taller, longer fighter. Who He's not taller, longer for no reason. He uses those attributes to outpoint people. Look what he did to Paulo Costa. He used his reach the entire fight. It's going to be a leg kick and a jab type of night until yeah. – and so Blackovich makes a mistake and tries to rush in out of frustration, and he's going to get caught, probably by a head kick. But it, this could just be an accumulation of punishment. This, Adesanya is going to win this fight. And with that being said, Adesanya wins this fight and becomes the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I saw this hot take. You came back from it, it ain't, a couple-day hiatus and just dropped it ain't hot. on the timeline. It ain't hot. Timeline. This is it, not hot. This is hot for everyone else besides you because you're How? the one who gives pound-for-pound pound rankings on, like, a quarterly basis. How? Damn near. 
How? Who's better than Israel Adesanya in the pound for pound rankings? So no one's better than John Jones. No. What pound for pound rankings are a what have you done for me lately? So why is Habib up there? <laughs> he's retired. Why? Habib is retired. Yes, and the the only reason why he's still on the pound for pound rankings in the UFC is because they won't remove him. Okay. Now, Adesanya's last six fights versus John Jones's last six fights. Compare them. Let's go down the list. No comparison. One, it took Adesanya like a year and a half to have six fights. But I'm just saying, look at the level of competition. Yeah. John was fighting blown up with middleweights and having a hard time with Tiago Santos. Almost lost to Dominic Reyes. If, if Adesanya knocks out the man who knocks out, knocked out the man who gave John Jones hell that the, everybody thought that John Jones lost that fight, how is he not the number one pound fighter, fighter in the world? He's also a two-division champ. It's incredible MMA math. Um, no, I mean, it's – once John came back from suspension, DC was two-division champion, and I had John above him as well. Like, it's just – to but, be the man, you got to beat the man. But, or the man got to lose something. This is, this is pound for pound, beat. right? It is. This is pound for pound. Adesanya, two-division world champion, has won, has not lost. John Jones has not lost. But who's been more impressive in their last six fights? Last three fights. No, Adesanya, by far. It's been since the DC head kick that John was impressive. And guess what? And the fight before then, he came back from the, the suspension and looked really bad. How, how that D, how, what the record books say about that DC head kick? They say that it is oh. a no contest. Mm. Mm. But I seen it. I we, seen we, it with my seen eyes. It? But I'm just saying, we don't have these conversations about Adesanya. He's just beating people up. Yeah. Like, he beat Yoel Romero, who everybody's scared to fight. He beat Robert Whitaker. Knocked him out. True. He knocked Jones' out catalog is just so deep. It takes so much to even get to Jones. Like, just Hall of Famers. Like, Jones is running through these motherfuckers Dude. when he was 23. Like, Six fights. The man's Dude. 31. Like, the, like, I'm just saying, do the math. Do the math on John Jones' last six fights. Just do it. Just look at him. Look who he's fought. Uh, all right, hold on, hold on. I'm pulling this up. Let me pull up Adesanya's first because it's just right here. It's easily, readily available for me. I'll give you so, John Jones' last 2000, year. Paulo Costa knocked him out. Romero went to distance, ugly fight. Um, knocked out Robert Whitaker. Kelvin Gaslam pushed him to the limit. I'm not scared to die. Incredible moment. Or I'm prepared to die. It's like incredible quote in the cage. Anderson Silva went to distance, kind of took it easy on Silva. Then Derek Brunson completely wrecked Derek Brunson. Distance with Tavares. And Vittori, which went to distance, probably his toughest fight so far. That was early, right? So here's, here's Don right. Jones' last six fights. Vittori's looked really good since. Dominic Reyes, who a lot of people thought John lost to. Tiago Santos who some people thought John might have lost to, split decision. Mm -hmm. Anthony Smith couldn't finish him. Is Anthony Smith a world-class fighter? No. No, we just talked about someone finishing Anthony Rackage, Smith. Rackage just wrecked him, and then Glover Teixeira beat the piss out of him. All right? Let's keep going. He beat Gustafson in that rematch. Yeah. Look, excellent. Beat the hell out of Gustafson. The Cormier head kick, and then he went the distance with OSP. They, that, these are, that was these an are, ugly one. These are not the same resumes in a what have you done for me lately situation. But you're, you're catching up to what's already on the base level of his resume. Mm. 
I'm just saying, if John, look, look, John is the best fight, one, arguably the number one fighter ever to step into the octagon. Yeah. But you cannot tell me that he's been terribly impressive in his last six fights. No, but you're, you're then, you're taking Izzy's last eight, because he stacked like five in a year. So Izzy's eight in three years over John's six in three years, four years, yeah, which cool, which I is am. more impressive. But John, it, they didn't start the race. It's not like at 2017, John was like, boom, we're dropping you on a pound for pound. We're dropping Izzy on the pound for pound race to the top. John was already so far in front that it's so hard to fucking catch him. No, without him not. losing and spinning out. Like unless there's a crash and burn. No. It's no. hard to catch him because no. you're discounting 2016 and before where he wrecked like five Hall of Famers. It's the pound for pound list for what have you done. It's not the pound for pound. It's not a legacy. It's not a legacy. No, it's, you can, but you can build on your legacy. He's done nothing to chip away. He's hey, done less quick than question. overly fucking super impressive wins. But by the way, he has two of those mixed in. Wait, wait, quick question. Was there a time that Manny Pacquiao was a pound for pound fighter over Floyd Mayweather? There was. That's tough. Yeah. No, there was. There was. Yeah, yeah. So the Marquez win, the third one? Yeah. I mean, before, before, I'm just saying, before that, when Manny Pacquiao won his eighth world title in eight different weight classes, yeah. for a lot of people, he jumped over Floyd Mayweather because it was a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately situation. He was on top of the ring. It was a what, until they fought, Manny was more impressive dispatching people than Floyd. But the thing about Floyd was that makes him different from John Jones there weren't close fights with Floyd. Floyd was just beating people. It just wasn't knocking them out. John had two tough fights with Tiago Santos and Dominic Reyes. Those were tough fights that shouldn't have been tough. And again, I say this, not now, but if Adesanya goes out there and wrecks Blachowicz, if he goes out there and wrecks him, and Blachowicz obliterated Dominic Reyes, and Dominic Reyes, a lot of people thought he outpointed John Jones. Right now, Adesanya would be the number one pound for pound fighter in the world until John Jones fights again. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Listen, you could sell me on it, but I, it, it's tough to just forget the whole base level of someone's career and say, no, Look, that's gone in pound for pound rankings. Like it counts for nothing. Hey, Roy Jones did it. Like Roy Jones, one of the greatest fighters ever. He lost the fight. He fell the fuck off the list. It just he lost. John but didn't saying, lose. He's John, only building wins on wins and wins. Once you lose, I'm okay. If John lost tomorrow, if he lost to Reyes, take him off. But he didn't. Is Khabib over John Jones on the pound for pound list? No, Was I he? never put Khabib over John Jones. Why? Because John's lead to that shit was crazy. Khabib started fighting great people the last year and a half. What have you done for me lately? That's did what any, it was. That's why it, people did it. And I thought it was like a, oh, I'm re he's retiring. Please put him at number one. No, absolutely not. It was because Khabib was taking on the best fighters available and mauling them. Whereas John was going to decisions with fighters that were lesser. Period. The man fights his competition. What the hell do you want me to say? That, but I'm just, when it comes to pound for pound, what else is pound for pound, right? This is the last thing. Pound for pound is... If you, what happens when you fight in a different weight class? If anyone was the same weight, how would you do? John Jones would wreck everyone if they were the same weight. Would he? Are yeah. you sure about this? Oh, I, I think, listen, Izzy is the most equipped to beat John Jones at 205. 
And I, I'll give you a toss up on that one. But until I see it, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we know John because John can take him down and he'll be a world of trouble. That's that's very possible. But tell me, uh, Kel, what did you think was going to happen with Anthony Smith, who was going to fight John Jones? Oh, I mean, I Anthony Thomas. Smith, Anthony Johnson. Oh. What did you think was going to happen? Oh, I thought. I thought Rumble was going to catch him, mm, put his yeah. head in the third row. That's the only way to beat John, in my opinion. I'm not going 25 and beating him. Ganu has a pretty good chance of it. I mean, a lot of heavyweights do. Because at heavyweight, you have one-punch power. And that's what it takes to beat John. I'm just, I'm just saying. John or is the a best. a buttload of cocaine. John is the best fighter we've ever seen. But pound for pound is a very condensed, what have you done for me lately situation. And John hasn't impressed anybody in his last six fights. The Daniel Cormier thing got overturned, technically, right? Gustafson, yes, he looked good against, but then Gustafson, what happened? He got washed up and retired shortly thereafter that. So it's really hard to put a lot of stock on that. Dominic Reyes, Tiago Santos, and Anthony Smith, look, I know John is fighting who they have to put in front of him, but now he's just fighting in spurts. And he's not, like, these are guys he should be wrecking as the best fighter in the world. Because you know what Khabib did when they put the best in front of him? Wrecked them unquestionably wrecked him. Dustin Poirier mauled him. But John has done that in his career. But man, when when was, when did John do that? 2000, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's 2021, bro. I mean, Cormier was one of the best in the world. That was four years ago. Twice. twice. That was four years ago. I don't know, man. The guy's been out for various reasons that I cannot defend. And that's what I'm saying. Adesanya's been busier. He's been more impressive. He's been he, busy he, for three he, years. Right. Two years. He's been that's here for two years. That's all that matters right now. That's all that matters. He's been here for hey, a couple of years. That's all that matters. These pound for pound lists aren't the all time lists. They are what have you done? They, they are the best pound for pound fighters right now. Not in 20 years, not tomorrow, right now. But what it's you've got, done. It, on your resume, if you've never fallen off, counts. No, right now. He's never right taken now. a step backwards. You can say, Who? John, he's never taken yes, a he step has. backwards. Yes, he has. You're going to tell me John is as dominant? No, 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 no. You're going to tell me John's as dominant now as he was in 2013? Is that what you're going to tell me? Sure. Like, I, I, I don't think. Really? No one can beat him. Yes, he's the exact same guy. No, no, no. no. All points? You want to go style points? No, no, I'm saying one by thirty. Did you, did you, did you think that Dominic Reyes beat John Jones? No, I thought John eked it out, but I'm in the minority. Yeah, Tiago Santos was that fight a lot closer than expected. John didn't have these fights five years ago. Yeah, no, it was a lot closer, and Tiago was on one leg. Can we, can we say Tiago tore like his whole shit? Can we say that John? He's not the same fighter he was. No, and I, I think the layoffs have taken their toll. I think. Cocaine. Um, yeah, like you know, the guy's going through problems. Like he was, he was doing drunk drug binges before, drug binges before those fights in 2013, 2014. Look, it, that shit's gonna catch you. Lawrence Taylor was amazing. The end of Lawrence Taylor career, it didn't end well. Right. So he like was, he was not the best linebacker in the league anymore. No, right. Shit, the shit caught up to you. Shit exactly. caught up to you. All I'm saying is, if Adesanya wins. Right now, he'd be the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world until we see John Jones again. John Jones can change that. If he goes to heavyweight and he was to beat Nganu, Miocic, Lewis, whoever, and dominate them, John Jones goes right back to the top of the list. But if if he's not active, 
I can't give the man credit for not fighting. Not right on a pound for pound list. He's still the best fighter I've ever seen. But right now, if Adesanya goes out and continues to wreck everybody, he's the best fighter in the world. Right now. Today. It'll change. Amanda's, John fights Amanda's higher than John, too. So now, so now we're dropping John to like three. Because Amanda's way more impressive. That's three years. That is true. I, I will agree with that 100%. Like, if we're going to go men like, and so, women, yeah, Amanda Nunez like is the best pound fighter. Pound. Yes. Yeah, now, she's the best so fighter. So now ever. John is like behind Habib, behind. Amanda, uh, right now, he's third, and then he quite possibly might be fourth after this weekend. Yeah, like, me and you both agree. Nunez is the better fight. Like, she's number she's one. She's the best the fighter in the world. Yes. yes. We agree. But that's like, what have you done for me lately? Because Amanda Nunez lost to Kat Zagana, what, six years ago? Yeah. I'm just saying, we're, we're doing, we're doing, it's a recency thing. And that's why Amanda Nunez sits at the top. If Adesanya goes there and cleans out Blackovich's clock, becomes a two-division world champion, right now, He's above John Jones. He'll be the number one male fighter in the world. All right. I know we'll you don't want to give it up, but no, that's I'll, listen. I'm 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 willing to see how it turns out. That's uh, when it's no lose, longer. It? Yeah, when it's no longer a what if. I would like to revisit the conversation. Listen, that knockout. Like if he if Izzy knocks him out, my head might be spinning in all different angles and ways, and I might come in the next day and be like, "Fuck it, he's the best I've ever seen." Right? Like, I, I don't know. I might be on the, on the bandwagon. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it play, plays out. Um, MMA is cruel, yo. Like, he could get knocked out stiff. And he was like, oh, oh, shit. So we'll see how it plays out. It's a fun episode. It's always great to have the old man back. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. You guys can also follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. At Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, adfreeshows.com. Shout out to Blue Eye of the Network. Shout out to all of the sponsors. Hopefully, you guys are staying safe, staying Rona free out there. Make sure you guys are. Can't wait to see you party it up when all of this passes by us. Check out our show, or the solo show from the other day. That was entertaining. And we'll bring you more shows starting on Sunday, recapping all of this. We've got pro wrestling to talk about a lot of it because old man missed the last pro wrestling show. So I'm sure he's going to have a ton to say about AEW. And uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. So make sure you guys don't miss any of that. Until next time, though, we're out. Peace.